I, I don't know. Like I have, I don't, I just don't, I think having a 3D experience of Facebook is my definition of fucking hell. <laughs> really? Like, you yeah. know, and it's ridiculous. And also like, I don't really care about what my avatar looks like in 3D. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. And I'm not going to buy branded digital clothing like NFTs for my avatar online. <laughs> but, you know, I think that the, the reality is though is that I don't think, for, I will never ever go into the metaverse and and like spend money in that and like I'm, I'm only on facebook because i have to be so mm. you know uh in terms of like being able to reach a community in that but otherwise i fundamentally disagree with the practices of what they do hi there guys welcome back to the matt brown show and as usual thank you for pushing play today we are going to be doing a getting down with brown format of the show this is where the show is co-hosted uh, with me today is Jonathan Bell, a.k.a. J-Bone, uh, we, <laughs> who uh, is just a knowledgeable, cool guy uh, who I thought would be a great host and uh, thought leader for you guys to pay attention to. So the Getting Down with Brown show is really a business news uh, sort of educational play. Uh, we talk about um, growth hacks. We talk about all sorts of things related to entrepreneurship and growing businesses um, and of getting into debate, essentially. And I think this is a really important component of the Matt Brown Show that I'm excited to bring to you moving forward. So there's still, of course, going to be the standard interviews with uh, the world's best thought leaders on business and things like that, billionaires, international best-selling authors, et cetera, the stuff you're used to. Uh, but getting down with Brown, uh, this version of the show uh, is really different, um, and I think it will give you a space to really hold as an entrepreneur that you'll thoroughly enjoy. So without further ado, guys, head on over to mattbrownshow.com for more information. Otherwise, welcome Jay Bone to the show uh, and enjoy this version of Getting Down with Brown on the Matt Brown Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Getting Down with Brown version of the Matt Brown Show. With me to co-hosting the show or this version of the show where we're going to just basically change the format somewhat and kind of talk about business news, talk about growth hacks, how to do stuff uh, that matters to you as a business owner and entrepreneur um, and just get into some debate about um, about the world of what's going on there in, in sort of business and that kind of stuff. So Jay Byrne, Jonathan hello, Bell, hello, hello. we're just going to call him Jay Byrne. And then decided to actually use his full name. So welcome to the show, dude. Good to be here. So um, tell us about yourself, man. What's your what's your kind of background? Um, introduce yourself. Give the elevator pitch to our audience around the world. Cool. Um, so background in sales. Been in sales most of my life, uh, except for the past two years, really, where I really got my uh, hands into product. I really found a passion there. Built a few products for Black Swan Technology Holdings, uh, which has been awesome. And they're all getting off the ground and making some money and uh, learning a lot of things along the way. So we're going to talk about one of those products uh, called Find My Prospect a bit mm. later uh, in the How to X segment of the show. Um, really important to actually cover a lot of ground here. So we're going to start with the, the business news. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Cool, let's hit it up with the news. You know, these clip segments just keep wanting to play by themselves. <laughs> Here comes the news. CEO, CEO Mark, Mark Zuckerberg introduced what he calls the metaverse, a platform where users will interact in virtual and augmented realities. He also said Facebook would change its name. Take a listen. To reflect who we are and what we hope to build, I am proud to announce that starting today, our company is now 
Meta. Our mission remains the same. It's still about bringing people together. Our apps and their brands, they're not changing either. And we are still the company that designs technology around people. But now we have a new North Star to help bring the metaverse to life. And we have a new name that reflects the full breadth of what we do and the future that we want to help build. That announcement comes as Facebook, or Meta, is under intense scrutiny over its content moderation policies. A whistleblower leaked documents that have raised concerns that the company is putting its profits ahead of the safety of its users. So nothing really new there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think of Mark Zuckerberg's announcement. Yeah. Uh, so on. let's get into it, though. I mean, it's quite interesting that um, he has done this move. Um, so we did see Microsoft announce literally two, three days later the similar, similar thing. Like now they're also about the metaverse. So, what are your views on it? I think it has potential. You know, the idea is good. It depends what these businesses do with it, really. Um, you know, Facebook or Mark did mention there the um, uh, use of augmented reality, which I think has great potential going forward. Virtual reality, I'm not so sure. But augmented reality definitely, I think, will become a lot more prevalent in our lives. And, I mean, if Facebook can help to push that forward, then, you know, good for them. But why are they doing this? What are they trying to do? They're trying to unlock a new advertising, you know, it's like Facebook 2D ads probably, and now you got 3D ads. Probably. I mean, the, the, the ad revenue that, is, that could be driven through augmented reality is incredible because I think we, we've actually mentioned this before, I think, Matt, is the, the possibility of selling ads in augmented reality because typically in the real world you can only put – once an ad takes up a space, it takes up a space, mm. right? It's done, that space. In augmented reality, you could put a thousand ads in one spot and show only what is relevant to the person passing by that 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 space. So you're selling. I could. You're basically saying that I could sell ad space on my front door. You could. You could sell ad space on your roof for planes <laughs> that fly by. You know, <laughs> literally anyway. I don't know. And and also, it would be unlimited space. It's unlimited space because even if 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 Facebook advertised on your front door, it, Amazon could do the same. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think I've got moral and ethical issues front and foremost. You know, with, when it comes to um, when it comes to Facebook, I mean uh, Cambridge Analytica, that whole scandal mm. thing, and influenced the elections and stuff. Um, and then, as we saw in that news clipping, you know, it's it's questionable ethically what that company is doing. So. Um, I, I don't know. Like I have, I don't, I just don't, I think having a 3d experience of Facebook is my definition of fucking hell <laughs> really like, you yeah. know, and it's ridiculous. And also like, I don't really care about what my avatar looks like in 3d. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. And I'm not going to buy branded digital clothing, like NFTs for my avatar online. <laughs> but you know, I think that the, the reality is though, is that I don't think, for, I will never ever go into the metaverse and and like spend money in that. And like, I'm, I'm only on Facebook because I have to be. So, mm. you know, uh, in terms of like being able to reach a community in that, but otherwise I fundamentally disagree with the practices of what they do. So 
Um, but my son, though, or my daughter, on the other hand, like for them, I think they they're living in. Well, not yet, but I would say they're going to live in a far more digital reality than what I think we, you know, can predict at this stage. You know, so if you think about Fortnite, for instance, mm. you know, um, you you game and you stream stuff, and yeah. you know, people just sit there watching games all day. Right. And so Frank's like busy watching YouTube, like literally the whole day yesterday, locked and loaded. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So swap out YouTube with the virtual reality thing, and suddenly. You know, for them, it's going to be normal. Mm. But for for us, it's, you know, it's not normal at all. I, I think that, the, like, I agree with you that there's a lot of moral questions and ethical questions around it. And I don't think that virtual reality is the future of this metaverse. Um, you know, to watch something, to put on some goggles at home and enter into a universe, I think that has, like, minimal staying power. It's the augmented part where Facebook overlay themselves over the real world, that has potential for you to, for you to, for example, you know, uh, your car, your windshield might be uh, augmented reality enabled. And if you've got maps on your phone, it might project onto the windshield. You don't need to look at your phone. It will literally overlay over the road with little arrows on the road telling you where to go. That has potential, but VR, I'm not too sure. Yeah. And also like, I don't think we want digital connection. We want like, I think if anything, we've over indexed too far that way. Um, you know, I think we want to have more human to human, like you sitting here. I mean, when we did the pilot for the show, um, the difference between this versus doing it on zoom, it's, it's fundamental. Mm. You know, it's the same as doing a press, like I had Rich Mulholland on the show yesterday. We're talking about virtual, uh, presentations, so he runs a presentation company. So if you're on stage in front of a hundred people, a thousand people, it's very different to having, you know, a hundred or a thousand people watching you on their machines where they're doing other things right. and they can be easily distracted. So, um, that experience is a different thing entirely just mm -hmm. because of the interface. Exactly. And, and I think that through this metaverse, it, you, they could enhance that strangely enough. It sounds counterintuitive, but, they could actually do it. This might sound a bit creepy as well, but hear me out is you could imagine a Facebook dating event um, where, and I'm going to project hard into the future, right? Where everybody has AR augmented reality contact lenses. Now at the dating event, you don't have to waste time trying to get to know people necessarily, right? You'll be able to see overlaid on top of everybody's head, everybody's interest, you know, where they stay, obviously with all their consent, right? Um, but then you could approach people who you, think you could develop some rapport with sounds kind of creepy, but it might, you know, enhance human interaction in some way. <laughs> Dude, no one's going to wear fucking contact lenses with VR augmented in, on them. In, in 30 years time, we can it's have this conversation. It's not going to happen, dude. It's not going to happen. Yes. Where do you get this shit from? Yeah, literally you smoke pipe or something. <laughs> like people can't even figure out an internet browser. Now you want them to feel like how would the input that you would have to be linked to Neuralink? Le le legit. No, it doesn't have to be. Okay, wear your contacts to the store. You don't have to check your grocery cupboards or your fridge, right? It's all interconnected, right? IOT. When you walk into the store, uh, you will see in the store overlaid across reality, all the items highlighted that you need for your home. I so can fucking see anything. what they are, J-Bone. I can see what's milk. 
like strawberries. Now I can see the product. No, 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 it must be overlaid. You'll never get home. Do, do I want to care about like where the strawberries were made? Can I see a little video of them on the little production line being packed before? You will never forget the diapers again. You'll never forget the toilet paper again. Oh, whatever, dude. There's like a bazillion <laughs> things. I don't know. I think people just like, you're a product guy. Yeah. It's just yeah, for yeah. everyone's information, if you haven't figured it out yet. J-Bone is a product guy. So he gets very uh, – He's you know the scene in The Matrix where it's like the woman in the red dress? Yeah. You're the, you are You get, like, you know, distracted by the woman in the red dress. It's like that scene where it's like there's the woman in the red dress, everyone's wearing black, and it turns around, there's an agent there with a gun to Neo's head. Yeah, yeah. Like you're Neo <laughs> in that scene. Yeah, no. Well, anyway, look – I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I don't even think the technology is mature enough. Mm. I mean, how long is he saying it's going to take to pull this off? I, th- I think I read like six to ten years or, or somebody gave an indication it would be six to ten years before this is a real reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's a – yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> – I hate the whole idea of having a 3D uh, experience on Facebook. Really do. Mm. And even in the real world, like, I don't give a fuck if it's Microsoft. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, and listen, I don't, don't don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not a fan of Facebook, right? The whole organization. Um, well, hang on. Let's tell the, everybody your story about the hack. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. So this it's strange. Anybody who's ever tried to contact any sort of customer support at Facebook, if if somebody's managed to get hold of somebody at Facebook, uh, let me know, please, because I believe it's impossible. I so what happened to me was. I was sitting having lunch one Sunday with family and I got a, a text on my phone said, here's your secure uh, security code for Facebook, Facebook login. So I thought, well, I'm not trying to log into Facebook. That seems pretty weird. Um, so quickly just opened the Facebook app and I saw a flag uploaded as my profile picture image. So, and I hadn't put it there. Uh, it was the ISIS flag. Right? <laughs> I thought Hell, am I being, you know, I always hacked? had my doubts about you, bro. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So I thought, you know, am I being hacked by I, this? Is this is very weird, strange. So immediately changed my password. Um, and then Facebook banned me within minutes and said, I'm allowed to request a review. I selected request a review, and again, within minutes, I'd been reviewed, right? Obviously, not by a human being. And my account permanently disabled. So that's 14 years of, of memories, right? Lost. Also, I was um, linked to business accounts with credit card information. 
So this was starting to really freak me out. And then I did some research after that. And um, apparently this is, it's a very specific hack. I don't know how they get in. I had two-factor authentication enabled on my Facebook account, on my email account as well. They managed to get in somehow. And then what they do is they make themselves, the hacker makes themselves admins on the account, on the, on the business accounts um, to try and take advantage of your credit card, right? Spend ads on whatever they want. Um, and obviously you're locked out now. The reason why they upload the ISIS flag is Facebook are never going to let you back in again once you've uploaded the ISIS flag. It's pretty smart, actually. It's very smart. It's very sophisticated. Um, we should get them on the show and say, hey. <laughs> we should. Any of you hackers watching, we'll blow your face, right? I think people who like do this stuff are actually more creative than – criminals are more creative than regular law-abiding citizens. It's I amazing. mean, it's incredible to think, to think that up, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so – like, it, you really need to think that shit through and workshop it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah as a group. And then <laughs> we're going to take their car, and then we're going to do this, and then he's going right. to be without 14 years of photos. All right. <laughs> and anyway, just to end that off is um, I think it's been, I think, three weeks now, and uh, not a peep from Facebook. Multiple tweets, multiple LinkedIn messages, DMs, comments. Yeah, I've noticed. I've noticed. It's getting a bit annoying, quite frankly. I know. I know. I apologize, but I have to keep at it, right? It's like well, if anybody knows someone at Facebook, you can help uh, help Jaber and Archer get his account unblocked. Um, please send an email to hello at mattbrownshow.com or tweet me at mattbrownza. So uh, let's so we look at some other news here. Um, mm. Let's have a look here. So this thing is really interesting. Uh, so Elon Musk uh, this week <clears> – <throat> Uh, where is this thing gone? Da, 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 da. Where's it gone? Matt Brown show. Sure. We're we're innovating here, guys. We're innovating here. Oh, here it is. There you go. So Elon Musk sells five billion dollars in Tesla shares, partly to cover taxes on stock options. So basically, he did a Twitter poll um, and off basically asked the Twitter Twitterverse to basically say, look, you know, should I sell my stock or not? I think it was how much stock was? It was like fifteen. $15 billion worth of stock mm. or something like that. It was all about unrealized gains. Um, and so the idea being is that if you, if you basically generate wealth from your shot, your stock, so like Elon doesn't get a salary from Tesla and, um, and he just has stock. So as that stock basically uh, matures and gets, uh, more value, he makes his money that way, and that's called an unrealized gain, which is untaxable currently. So I think the what I understand of this is is that um, he basically said, "Look, if if unrealized gains is that much of an issue, I propose selling ten percent of my Tesla stock." That's basically what he said. Um, and then, uh, as he said, he will support the results of the poll whichever way it goes. So as a result, Tesla shares fell five percent on the Monday. When the poll closed on the Sunday, three and a half million votes had been cast, 58% voting for him to sell, and Musk hasn't confirmed what he will do. But then he did sell the stocks, mm. $5 billion worth of stock. So he paid a shit ton of tax on that. Um, and I think it's really, my, my view on this is like everything he does is unpredictable. Um, you know, from all the businesses that he has to his, you know, like, what did he do the other day when he got into shit with the SEC for tweeting about something around Tesla shares or something like that? And then 
he got into trouble with a tweet wound up in front of the SEC. So like, and you know, I don't see Jeff Bezos doing that. I don't see Bill Gates, well, uh, Satya Nadella doing that or any other CEO. So the, the, I think it's really refreshing that he is doing what is popular. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where it's like, Hey, Listen, uh, uh, the other one was about world hunger. Did you see about that tweet? Uh-uh. Some, oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Someone said, uh, why don't you solve world hunger? Yeah, let me yeah. do this. Twitter, uh, world. So basically what happened was someone from CNBC, um, let me get this up here. CNBC tweeted him and said, hey, oh, this guy, uh, Dr. Eli David. So let me bring it up. So basically he said, here you go. Let me share this with everybody on screen. Yeah. So he said, um, basically, two uh, percent of Elon Musk's wealth is six billion dollars. Then he said, in twenty twenty, the UN F- World Food Program raised eight point four billion. How come it didn't solve world hunger? Mm-hmm. So then Elon responds to this, and he said, well, if if WFP, the World Food Program, can describe on this Twitter thread exactly how $6 billion will solve world hunger, I will sell Tesla stock right now and do it. See, this is what I'm talking about, mm. where he's like the CEO. Like, what are the CEOs putting his money before? Yeah, it's, it's strange, right? I mean, you think, so you mentioned he doesn't get paid a salary, right? So his, his money's tied up in stock, right? Yes. Um, so there are two sides to the coin, in my opinion, is he's entitled to money for doing work, right? So the only way he can access is it by selling stock. But he has responsibility and he has to report to shareholders or he has to do what's in the best interest of shareholders. And every time he makes noise like this, he tanks the, the share price of Tesla. That's going to piss off your investors, right? Totally. But do you hold though? Or do you sell and go listen? What, you- what's What's the next thing that this guy does? Because... If if it bombs, if he does something reckless, and you, what if it drops ten percent, and you've got massive, you know, um, investments with that company? So, do you back him or his behavior? Or obviously, his this is this is of no way financial advice, right? Yeah. So just just to the viewers, uh, this is just our opinion. Is like I'd probably double down on it, to be honest. Double down on Tesla. Yeah, because I, I I think that at any given point in time, Tesla is fairly valued. And when he makes noise, it's probably market sentiment that is dropping it down. So yeah, but, that's not inherent value of the business. But why though? Think about it. If if he sells, you know, five billion dollars of stock, who gives a fuck? It's a trillion dollar market mm. cap company. Mm. It, five billion dollars is not nothing. It's sentiment. It's it's that. I, but I, it's I totally not that he's. But he's not leaving the firm. He's just 100%. cashing out. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't he do that? It's uneducated. Day to day casual investors, I reckon. Although I don't know, they if can't move the share price that, that much. Though. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. institutional stuff. Yeah. I mean, what's five percent of a trillion? That's like, that's a lot of money to move yeah. in like a day. I guess also, you know, those institutions typically are moving money um, for their customers. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you've got to err on the side of caution. You know, you don't want to get caught with your pants down as an institution when you when you lose. It's five hundred. Well, how many zeros is that? That's a shit ton of zeros. Five percent of a trillion is five. I don't even know what that is. Five hundred billion? No. 
I don't even know what that is. That's a lot of zeros. Yeah, it's too one, many. two, three, four. What? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten zeros. So someone lot watching us, listening us, <laughs> let me know how much money that is in real money. God damn. This is when you need Excel to do <laughs> to do little commas to help you figure out the break the breakdown and chunking of that number. Um, yeah, so, but I mean, I, again, I don't, I just, the other thing around the stock market, it's not really traded by people, it's traded by AI now. So they are set certain rules and parameters. And so the, a lot of that selling off would have just been done instantaneously. Right. I mean, institutions so. have rules. So they've got their risk models, right, that they run. And I guess at, you know, certain points, and again, I'm not a, you know, stockbroker, share trader, anything like that, but I'd guess that you're going to want to follow those things. Because like I say, those institutions don't want to get caught with their pants down and losing billions of dollars for their customers. Yeah, I, I guess. Because I they mean, decided to disregard what Elon Musk said because he's Elon Musk. But the thing is like you you are – you're investing – the other thing to say is day traders would have sold off potentially. Mm. And a portion of that day, that daily loss, let's just call it 5%, that the shares fell in one day. So a portion of that 5% would have been done automatically. So if share price goes or falls more than 2% within a certain period of time, like let's just say two hours, mm. then sell or whatever the case, sell X percent, but still hold the balance. So there's all the, as you said, there's all those rules there. Um, but, you know, it's like Bitcoin. Like do you trade daily or because the Bitcoin price drops or do you just hold the thing, hold hurdle or hold on for dear life until the yeah. thing, until the next financial crash comes and you're sitting with a Bitcoin price of a million dollars. So what's your, mm. you know, what's your investment philosophy? I don't think it's got anything to do with, you know, um, Satoshi Nakamoto, mm. right? I don't give a fuck if it's got anything to do with the Chinese clamping down on the mines. Mm. Like, I don't care about those things. And also, if I'm, a, if, if I'm an investor in Tesla, I shouldn't care if he wants to sell his stock. It's still him. And the other thing to say is that CEOs aren't around forever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't get it. Yeah, I, I think it's literally all just comes down to sentiment and risk models. Yeah. Agree. So we're going to take a look at another news piece. This came out uh, on the New York Times. Um, so really interesting, this piece. Let me share my screen for you guys. Um, so this is Adam Newman, and the headline is, It Went to My Head. Adam Newman has regrets about his time at WeWork. So this was like so so huge uh, as a news piece. Um, basically, he got interviewed, and he was forced out of WeWork two years ago um, and has stayed pretty much quiet in the public about the near collapse of WeWork. Because remember, they were going to list. Yeah. And then the the whole stink was around the value of the company. Mm. And so he's now been interviewed and come out publicly for the first time to kind of talk about, um, you know, what his – what he's learned essentially from the whole stink around WeWork and that. So WeWork was like the glamour child of like SoftBank and pretty much Wall Street. And it was like, it was pumped to 47 billion. Um, but then uh, he, it all basically blew up. And there was a few few things that he says here, which is quite interesting. He says, basically it all went to his head. He said, you, he said, you lose focus on really the core of your business and why this business was meant to be. And I think this is a really important thing, right? Like if you get romanced about the valuation of a business, like your business, mm. like it can um, delude you about what the true purpose or mission is of that business, right? 
Um, and other things that he goes on to say here um, is that it was never my intention not for the company to succeed. Of course, it's not, even though the valuation from WeWork fell to $9 billion. So how, like, that's just insane. How do you go from $47 billion to $9 billion? I, I mean, first off, the $47 billion, you know, the way that they valued the company, it was pretty creative. Yes, they came up with something called Community Adjusted EBITDA. I've never heard of that. <laughs> that's like, what did we do the other day when we were talking about uh, evaluate because we were busy exiting as well? So mm-hmm. what were we talking about was like, it, um, it was just adjusted EBITDA, right? It was adjusted yeah. EBITDA. No, it was a adjusted EBITDA margin, remember? Adjusted EBITDA margin, yeah. Yeah, yeah like here's the yeah. true profit of the business, yeah. you know, after adbacks. Yeah, yeah, And then adjusted yeah. for margin. Yeah. <laughs> so another financial instrument <laughs> created. But this community adjusted, I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And obviously it came out when, you know, they wanted a list. Everyone was looking into the details of the, of the IPO and that sort of thing. But... Like you're a you're a property business and your community adjusted EBITDA, right? That <laughs> that metric that you're using excludes your rental, your utilities, your internet, your community staff in the locations of the basically property. everything that you've ever put into operational costs. Pretty much all your operational. It's literally costs. here's revenue. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. I know we're simplifying it, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah, here's revenue, yeah. less everything yeah. else the business yeah. has. Meanwhile, yeah. I know they then then they did the the I think because that was a that was a private valuation, right? Cool, you know, and you know Adam great at selling, you know, selling a story. That's what he, that's how he started. We work or we, I think as they don't know. And oh, really? uh, I think I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm pretty sure their website is we, we.com or we, we.co or something like that. Um, but yeah, then I think they had someone value the business later at 20, like what is it? 20% of what they wanted to initially list it. Yeah, it's, uh, I know. And the other thing, but he was doing some other shit. Like he sold the, what was it? He sold, he, he sold the logo back to the company for like $10 million. Or well, the, it was yeah. doing some dodgy shit like that. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the trademark. Oh, the trademark, yeah. Of, of the, of we. Uh, we, uh, he disputed the character. Uh, here you go. So he disputed the characterization of his selling the we trademark to the company for $5.9 million before the company sought to go public in 2019. So like as it's going public, yeah, here you go. I'd like another six million. And then the other thing is 5.9. Like how do you get to that number? Yeah. Why isn't it a million? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Ultimately, however, he has regrettably he has regretted how it played out. I understand it sounds horrible. He said, "If I went back and I could change it and avoid that mistake, I would." It just goes to show how hindsight's always a perfect science. Yeah, you know, I'm also not sure how he negotiated what he nego- managed to negotiate. I don't know that story, but how he managed to retain so much wealth after the exit, because as I understand it, there was a period of time when he thought he would be left bankrupt. How? How would you be left bankrupt? He still owns stock. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. Like, how would you go? Uh, I don't understand that. I think if you if you if you're going through that type of that type of exp- like true like you know it's Uber basically mm. it's a version of Uber. Um, and when you when you when you own the you know like whatever percentage of a bit of a company that's worth let's just be like 
really conservative, say it's a billion dollars. Yeah. You're not going to be fucking broke ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like yeah. you're not. Yeah. You're just not. Um, unless you're like really, really, I don't know, stupid. And he's clearly not a stupid boy. So no, I don't, I don't think so. And I think he would have walked away with that 5.9 million cash and he still owns some stock. He does. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think next year he's, or I think he's put, or he has the right to put in a request to be a silent board member. I think oh, really? one year after the actual listing. Right. They didn't list her in the end, did they? They are listing. Are they? They are listing. Yeah. Yeah. At the new valuation, I believe. Oh really? Yeah, and then I think a year for a year from that listing, he can then be a, he has the right to request a silent board seat. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just let it go. I'd be like, cool, I'm out. Yeah. Well, he's dabbling a whole bunch of other stuff now. He has the money to do it, right? Just dabbling yeah. in crypto and that kind of thing. Yeah, of course he is. Environmental crypto, I think it. I think it is. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Carbon, carbon tax crypto, something like that. <laughs> carbon tax crypto. Yeah. So, have you watched that Squid Game? I've seen trailers of it and that sort of thing. I haven't actually watched it. And I understand the premise of the show, yeah. So for those of you who haven't heard about it, Squid Game is a Netflix um, series. It's Korean, my, uh, to my understanding. Um, and this also happened this week. So this is a, an article from, um, from BBC. So Squid Game crypto token collapses in apparent scam. This is so bad for the crypto space. But basically mm. what happened was someone created a... Uh, a cryptocurrency literally called squid or something like that. And it's a play to earn cryptocurrency, right? So what happened was that in literally 72 hours, it went from like no value. So it was had like a few cents to it to like $4.68 per, per crypto token, right? Whatever the case was. And, uh, and it, and it pumped up to like $4 billion in literally Crazy. 72 hours. So someone Crazy. out there, Made $4 billion in 72 hours. This is the crypto world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Squid's developers apparently then pulled the rug um, and it was a complete scam and everybody lost their money. I mean, it's like, we've seen, why don't we learn? Why are we so slow to learn? I mean, the allure of making that amount of returns that quickly. I mean, when you hear about it, because that's, that, I mean, it just went viral, right? It did go viral, but what I'm saying is it's not backed by anything. Mm. It's just backed by sentiment again, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what frustrates me. It's like people lose their, their, like their independence and their freedom and all that kind of stuff by doing this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And someone, someone out there is enriching themselves mm -hmm. off the back of some kind of cultural top line event. Right. And this is, I mean, they took advantage of the popularity of this, this, this show that's so popular. I believe there's a there's a there's a telecoms company in Korea that was you know, having some sort of legal dispute with Netflix because really? they couldn't handle the load. <laughs> people watching <laughs> through their you know their data servers. Uh, people were also getting they list they showed phone numbers on the Netflix series yeah. on Squid Game, and people were phoning <laughs> these numbers. And no. people were answering. These were people's real numbers. That's crazy. And they were getting like a million text messages That's or crazy. messages in like a week. Literally a million. That's madness. It's crazy, eh? I mean, this 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 idea behind Squid, it, it played on a few things that are quite popular, right? So cryptocurrency right now, right? It's, it's, it's booming. Squid, the show, which is 
a cultural phenomenon. And um, it also plays on the whole pay to, uh, pay to win strategy that most like video games are utilizing these days. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's very clever, very sophisticated again, but yeah, pulling the rug is a dick move. It is a dick move, right? I don't know. I, th- I think this crypto space is it's exciting, but it's got all the wrong narratives yeah. around it. It's just like I mean, it's a, it's a it's quite an interesting it's quite an interesting thought though because there's so many games that are pay to play, right? So if you're playing online, like like a mass multiplayer online game, and you need items to do stuff in the game, right? Yes. Now you can pay to level up those items, so yeah. you can progress in the game faster. Yeah. And I haven't heard of anybody attaching value to some to that sort of currency outside of the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, one of the key things I've seen is, or interesting things I've seen is, social tokens, basically. So, so the idea being is that if you want to be part of a social, I think I told you about this the other day. If you want to be part of like this, this one club, right? So basically, there's only a, like a thousand or like a million social tokens. And what they do is when you sign up to become a member, you get one token. So as more people, let's just say you have 10 million people, 5 million people, 2 million people, they want to all join. It it bumps the price of a social token. Mm -hmm. So now you have membership sites that have social tokens as currency that have real value. In other words, I cannot spend that social token on anything else other than my membership makes sense. Mm -hmm. But to be a member costs money. So in other words, as that supply and demand needle goes uh, or dynamics are moving around, the price goes up, price goes down. But the guy who founded the social token currency, I wish I could remember the name now, that thing's worth like $40 million, Mm. 40 fucking million dollars. A social token. Yeah. It's like we're living in a crazy time. Like the NFTs is another thing. You know, guys spending like, you know, $10 million on a video of Shaquille O'Neal doing a dunk. Right. Yeah. I own that. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. Really? But I can watch it. You just paid $10 million for that. So you can say that you own it. It's like Jack Dorsey's tweet. I'm like, really? Yeah. You own that, right? But I can see it online. Yeah. It's the same thing. No, but you own it. So there's value there. It's like. Digital collectible, right? but this is what we're saying about um, about net, the metaverse. Yeah. It's the Circle same back, thing, yeah. right? Because I think you, they would be able to auction off real estate in a digital they uh, probably environment. Would, they probably what's well, happening? Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, right. It's happening. Yeah, it's v- just, virtual house. Yeah, here you go. Uh, what street would you? It's like Monopoly. Yeah. Oh, do you want to yeah. live on Elof? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then <laughs> you must pay <laughs> X amount more. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, or you could have virtual malls where your digital stand or, or, or shop is closer to the high street where people are yeah. joining this virtual experience. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine a world where people want to be digitally affluent, mm. right? Like digitally be seen to be digitally wealthy. So when I virtually walk past their house, I'm in awe. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's crazy, dude. It's like next level weird. Yeah. Cool, shall we move on? on? Cool. Okay, let's do it. What is next? Let's do clip of the week. Revolutions.
FBI! Come out of the bathroom! Step out of the bathroom! Hands on your head. Oh, that's the new IBM Selectric. Put your hands on your head. print type in five seconds. Shut up! out the ball. Put your hands on your head! Put your hands! You know, he's got over 200 checks here. Hands on your head! Drafting. He even has little payroll envelopes addressed to himself. Put it down. Drop it! Relax! You're late, all right? My name's Alan, Barry Allen, United States Secret Service. Your boy just tried to jump out the window. My partner has him in custody. I don't know what you're talking about. You think the FBI are the only ones on this guy? I mean, come on. Come on, he's dabbling in government checks here. I've been following a paper trail on this guy for months now. Hey, you, you mind taking that gun out of my face? Please, really. I mean, it makes me nervous. We see some credentials. Yeah, sure. Take my whole wallet. <clears throat> you want my gun, too? Come over here, take my gun. Hey, hey, look, just do me a favor. Take a look outside. Look, look out the window. My partner's walking him to the car as we speak. Look. Old guy almost pissed in his pants when I came through the door. He jumped right through the window onto the hood of my car. Hey, Murph. Yeah, call the LAPD again. I don't want people walking through my crime scene. I didn't expect the Secret Service on this. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> well, what's your name? Henry. Carl Henry. Mind if I see some identification? Sure. You never can be too careful these days. Well, tough luck, Carl. Five minutes earlier, you would have landed yourself a pretty good collar. It's all right. Ten seconds later, and you'd have been shot. Mind if I come downstairs with you? I, I got to take a look at this guy. Sure thing. Just uh, do me a favor and sit tight for a second while I get this evidence downstairs. You know, I don't want some maid walking through here and making the bed. LAPD should be here any sec. Wait. Your wallet. You hang on to it for a minute. I trust you. Such a good clip. Such a good clip. Um, yeah, sorry guys, I forgot. The, I think the audio dropped there. I forgot to put the levels up again. But um, but yeah, what a great clip. What a great film. Uh, one of the things that uh, I love about that particular clip is that he believed in his own bullshit so much. He was he was like from the Secret Service. That's yeah. legit yeah. what Leo, you know, or the character in that film believed. You know, like he was he was going to tell that story no matter what because the consequences would be pretty dire if he didn't pull it off, right? Hundred percent. I mean, if he there, the only way he was getting out of there is if he actually believed that he was Barry Allen, the FBI agent. Yeah, because exactly. otherwise he would not have had the confidence to pull that off. No, he wouldn't have. Um, and I think it's actually very true. Like I love cold calling because I get to play that same role. Mm. So either the prospect on the end of the call is going to convince you about why they shouldn't do business with you or you're going to convince them the other way. It's the same principle around, you know, Barry Allen. Is he, is he Barry Allen or not? Do Are you a wolf or are you a sheep? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it's just a really great example um, of how 
the belief in your own story, your own bullshit is either going to help you win or it's going to help you lose. Mm. So depending on which side of the coin you kind of fall on, you know, if, you, if you're doubting yourself, if you don't believe that you can do it, then you're probably right. But if you do believe you can do it, if you do believe that you are the best in the business and you can convey that on a call to someone on the end of the phone and convince them to have a meeting with you, that's when you start winning. And we've built our entire business just on the phone. We haven't spent right. the cents on marketing, right? You know, yeah. And I think you know you have to. You know this when you make a cold call, you have to be confident, right? You have to project confidence, and that's born out of belief. You have to believe in a product or a business or an idea and yourself and yourself who you are, right? Yeah, you um, do. In order to do that, I think people really struggle with belief, though. Um, mm. You know, it's a it's a difficult thing to get people to um, to truly like recognize that they are worth it. Like they, mm. they, they are worth the time um, of somebody else. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's also, you know, when you try to do, when you try to push the boundaries, you're entering into typically risky space and it, it goes against everything that you're, the way that people are built, right? It's avoid risk, avoid danger, right? We're animals at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, to push yourself beyond those boundaries takes a lot of, you know, a lot of like willpower to do. It does, but anybody can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't love cold calling, but I learned to love it. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. I remember the first time I picked up the phone, I was like, this sucks. And it, I mean, it's to say you run, right? I mean, I'm sure people know by now that you run, but your first 10 K couldn't have been particularly enjoyable. Uh, no. <laughs> my first two Ks wasn't enjoyable, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, it's, it is a skill that you, that you, it's almost like just getting over your own fear. Cause I think in many cases, like, you know, imagine that though, imagine if you were, if you were Leo in the bathroom came out and you have literally a split second to change who you are, mm. to change your identity, believe it and then deliver it consistently yeah. To, you know what I mean? Otherwise, like, you're going to jail. Yeah, and you can't, you can't not, doubt cannot enter your mind mm. at any point during that time that you're in that room with that, um, with that, what, uh, police officer or whatever, detective. Yeah. 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 It's the gift of the gab, but I also think that's not true. I don't, like, I've had, I've trained lots of salespeople in, in, uh, in my business mm. and, and, um, you know, like, it's, it's, it's interesting because I always, always think that, you know, you have to be affluent. You have to sound and speak with the vocabulary the same as Matt Brown to be to deliver the same kind of outcome as Matt Brown does. And then that's what that's what I thought in the beginning. And then as I've started to develop, you know, 10, 20, 30 different salespeople mm. over the few, last few years, I've started to realize that you there's many paths to get to the same goal. You know, so some people can speak fast, some people can speak slowly, some people do, are not speaking English as their first mm. language. You know, and then, and the, yet they get the, the outcome. Yeah. So, what is the golden thread then? What's that? That common a story. It's a the story. Ability to deliver story. It's a story. It's just a story. That's what people are buying. Oh yeah, it sounds good. Mm. And having a bit of a structure into what you're saying. So not and being careful around how much you need to say, because you don't need to say it all. Mm. So like you have, you know, if, so for me, it's, it's, it's between 30 and 60 seconds. That's how long you have to get my attention, convince me that I should spend time with you. And that's the only step. And then when you have them in, when you have their attention, you know, 
you're probably going to get them to a proposal eight times out of 10. And then of the eight proposals, you're probably going to close 20 or 30%. So it's, it's, it's like a cascading waterfall. So as long as you can keep the water flowing mm. at the top, which is the cold call, then you can pretty much guarantee that you're going to bank at the different stages of the waterfall. Right. Then it's just a numbers game. Mm. Then it's like, well, how many people can I put at the top of the waterfall? How many cold calls can you make? Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How many meetings can I book? Mm. You know, how many proposals can I send? And then tracking that stuff. Mm. Um, but it's just a story. People buy, it's like, it's crazy, man. So is it, would you say that it's more about what you say than how you say it? No, it's about how you say it. So it's, oh, it's more about how you say it yes. than what you say. Yes. It's a bit of both, um, but it's about, you know, conviction and belief in your, in what you're selling. Because if you, if you don't have conviction and belief in what you're selling, it's, it's almost impossible to sell it because people sniff that shit out. Because yeah. remember, it's like we have these things called ears that we've been using our entire lives and they're so attuned to bullshit. Like you can pick stuff up on a podcast that's authentic versus something that's been pre-planned. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And scripted. You can sense that without even applying your mind. It just happens. Mm. And so when you have someone on the phone, you have to have a great story and you must believe in that story. So a lot of like what I, I think has worked for us as a team is, you know, is about getting the team to believe in the, in the bullshit. yeah. I mean, it's not bullshit, but it's like you have to believe in the story. All stories for me are bullshit, mm. right? It's just the extent to which you believe it. So either someone's going to believe in their mind and their story, like the guy on the end of the phone, the girl in the phone. If I phone them, their story is, they, as I'm talking to them, they're assimilating information and they're making up a story about whether or not they should believe yeah, what I'm saying. You right. understand? So someone's story is going to win. It's either going to be my story or your story. And that's what I love about cold calling i don't always win but like i win literally nine times out of ten because i'm i believe that i'm a lion you right, understand right, like that's yeah, my yeah. mind i'm gonna come fucking eat your lunch <laughs> legit yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. like um, and you can see people who are successful at sales they, they're pit bulls they don't take no for an answer like i don't i don't ask how you are you know what i mean like i get straight i don't let you speak you listening to me now and when, when I'm done, I want one thing from you, the action, which is to say yes or no to what I've just told you. Yeah. And that's the goal. And that's the skill, right? So you can't pitch up and half-ass it. You won't win. Yeah. You know, there's no way we built a, what did we do last year? 20 million rand revenue on the phone mm. if you don't believe in what you're doing. Totally. There's obviously more that goes into that. And and you have to though, right? Because uh, you mentioned earlier, you got to believe in the bullshit. It is all perceived to be bullshit because there's so many stories floating around these days, right? That the customer they're they're conditioned to to believe that everything is bullshit, and it's how you deliver your message, your story over the phone, different to the next person, better than the next person, with more confidence, more belief in what you're doing. Yeah. Then the next person that, that sets you apart and then makes that individual think, okay, so in a sea of bullshit, this is the truth. <laughs> this is the bullshit that I want to buy. <laughs> <Or> that, <yeah. laughs> cool, man. So we're going to get into uh, our next segment of the show, which is called How to X. Cool. So that was a cool little graphics FX. Thanks, Mav. Um, right. So... 
Um, what we're going to do today because we're going to have a look at uh, something called uh, Find My Prospect. So let's on head, head on over there now. So findmyprospect.com uh, is a product, and we're going to uh, explain now to you guys how to get the contact information of your dream customer, whether that's a CEO of a bank or a CIO of a manufacturing firm or anybody that you're really trying to get in touch with, with a product that Jonathan's built called uh, Find My Prospect. So do you want to walk us through how this works? Yeah, cool. So it's it's obviously built for salespeople. And, um, you know, we did a lot of interviews with salespeople and the problems that they were, that they were facing. And people were saying, like, people don't get back to me. Um, we don't get enough leads from marketing or, or our website and our CRM is outdated and it's, you know, nobody works in the businesses that they're meant to be working in anymore, according to our CRM and people don't respond to my LinkedIn emails anymore and all that kind of thing. So we built Find My Prospect so that people can reach out directly to, um, their ideal customers without having to wait for all of this, you know, message me back, email me back, that kind of thing. Um, and we decided to build it as a Chrome extension. So for people that are listening, watching, don't know what a Chrome extension is. It's re- it's a little application that sits in your web browser, uh, that prompts you to take action when you can. So for example, when you're looking at a prospect on LinkedIn, our Chrome extension or find my prospect Chrome extension will ask you if you'd like to find the contact details of that particular individual. So, um, yeah, so let me actually log into LinkedIn here yeah, so you guys can see it up on the screen. By the way, if you are listening to this on the audio version of the podcast, head on over to YouTube to catch this on the Matt Brown Show and hit subscribe and the little notification bell. We'll be doing this show uh, more regularly than the interviews. Um, so I've logged into LinkedIn here. So let's go. Who do you want to go to? I always like to look at Drew Houston, CEO of Dropbox. Who, who's that? Drew Houston. Okay. Here we are, Drew Houston. Great. So I'm on his LinkedIn profile page. Now what? Uh, so you'll see the little FMP Chrome extension on the right-hand side there. And you just have to log in. Hang on, wait. This isn't displaying properly. Hold on a sec. I'm trying to move this stuff around. Web. Da, 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 da. We're doing this live, guys, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> So let me see if I can scroll. You know what it is? It's the HDMI cable. That's what it is. So let me do this quickly. Matt at Black Swan. So carry on talking so long. So what yeah, is cool. it? What's in this database? So this database is, it's a database that is GDPR and Poppy compliant. And for those of you that are interested in that, um, and we have about 400 plus million prospects. The engine is growing all the time, but right now we stand at 400 plus million uh, prospects. And not only do we provide direct contact information for an individual. Uh, but we also provide where we can um, the interests of that individual. So somebody who um, yeah, you'd be able to see, they might enjoy mountain biking or they might enjoy swimming or they might enjoy relaxing watching Netflix. And it makes it a lot easier um, for individuals to reach out personally once you have some sort of interest and even better if you have some sort of common interest. Another thing we do is we also provide a digital footprint for these individuals. So if you found them on LinkedIn, you're also able to navigate to their Twitter profile, to their Facebook profile, to their YouTube channel, uh, to their uh, Quora page, what questions are they asking and answering, and that type of thing. There's the data. 
<laughs> Drew Houston. We'll try and figure that out um, after the show. But yeah, I mean, it's really powerful, right? Because the the downside of not having the contact information is that you have to somehow get it. Yeah. Right? So that slows down your sales process. And most of the leads in the CRM system are so cold and dead. Like the data decays very quickly. Um, so with Find My Prospect, you can uh, get access to phone numbers. So that's what I was talking about, cold calling. You can mm. literally call Drew and go, hey, man, I want to sell you some stuff. Mm. can have a meeting, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a very powerful tool. So how much does it cost? Um, it's actually free to trial out. So you can actually get details of a couple individuals without paying a cent. Mm. Um, and uh, the first tier of the paid package, it comes in at $29. I believe you can get about, I think it's 40 uh, individuals. Let's have a look, find my prospect website. Mm -hmm. Pricing, pricing, pricing. There you go. So $9 per month, $99, $29, $49 or free. You get two credits. Yep. Cool. So there you, go. there you go, guys. Head on over to Find My Prospects and take a look at that. Uh, it's a cool tool if you're trying to sell some stuff. Um, play around with it and, yeah, have some fun. So uh, so that concludes how to X. Uh, let's play a game of would you or wouldn't you. So uh, in, this ex- in this clip, we're basically going to do some debate around would you or wouldn't you. So, Jay Bone, um, do you want to hit me with a would you or wouldn't you? Uh, put me on, yeah, okay. Put me on the spot. Let me let, let, let me think about it. Let me think about it. You want to do the equity one? Yeah, yeah. Let's do let's do an equity. Let's do let's do an equity one. Yeah. Okay. So, would you sell? Okay. So, you're a, a founder, owner of a business, a SaaS company, uh, in HR tech. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your uh, your price point um, is two hundred dollars a month. Okay. Uh, but you have no revenue, mm-hmm. okay? Um, you have three developers, no revenue. You have an MVP, meaning you have a website, you can transact, and your core, you have a proposition that you believe that you can commercialize, okay? You don't have free cash. You bootstrapped mm-hmm. this. You're a living hand-to-mouth sort of thing. Do you raise money or not? Do you take, or sorry, do you raise $750,000 for 30% of your company at a 6% interest. Yes, I do. I do. Because I, I, I like the, well, let's start this way, right? At 6% interest, no. So the I would raise $750,000 for 30% of the business, no doubt. At 6% interest, no, because that implies that I've got to pay back this investor. This investor is getting 30% of my business for 750k. So that's his buy-in, right? He's, if he's willing to take that risk, that's cool. Um, the reason why I'd, I'd raise is where am I going to get the money to grow? From services. You can consult. Well, the, How much money do you need to grow a SaaS company? Like, think about that. Yeah. How much would you actually need? Well, it also depends, you know. To get initial customers, to get feedback from the customers, and yeah. to figure out what what they want so that you can improve your roadmap like how much money do you think you need well, do, you, I, do you really need 750,000 i think probably not right um but also you know 30% i think would probably be be fair for pre revenue i mean it's 30% of literally a dream right now we have an mvp um 
And also, I think we've learned that it's always harder to gain users than you think. Right? No, you knew no it, it's not. You, yes, it is. Where do you come up with this stuff, j <laughs> It's so easy to get users. It's the easiest thing in the world. So how about this? I just I just gave a whole speech about cold calling. Yeah. Yeah. So if you need how many customers do you need to uh to basically get from MVP to product market how much you know if you wanted a hundred paying customers, mm. why do you need media when you can just pick up the phone? I mean, in, it's in all, one it's, month, I can I can make four hundred phone calls. If yeah. I'm backing myself to make twenty five percent of those be, to become customers mm. over a period of three months, technically I could have a hundred customers. My MRR at that stage would be twenty thousand dollars a month. I reinvest half of that money into growth, or even eighty percent of that into growth. Mm. Do I need the money? No, in theory. <laughs> it's all great in theory. <laughs> what do you mean in theory? Mathematically, it all makes perfect sense, right? 400 phone calls, there's 25%. You know what the difference is? Is that you don't want to make phone calls. Yeah, I don't want to make phone calls. Yeah, for sure. That's your problem. Yeah. yeah. So what would happen is, and this is a great <laughs> insight for our audience, is that you would rely on digital channels only to uh, grow. Yeah, I absolutely would. Yeah. You would ne- and why wouldn't you pick up the phone? I'd pick up the phone to to customers, for sure. Um, but probably personally, I'd, 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 I'd rely on getting more customers. So here's the point, right? Is you can make 400 phone calls in a month, right? 700, th- remember we've got three devs you need to pay too, right? So Yeah, but you bootstrapped uh, it. I'm you not, just made $20,000, bro. We haven't you made that yet. It, yeah, we haven't but, made that yet. Uh, <laughs> we haven't made it yet, right? If we have just made $20,000, I'm you not you taking 750 No, but hold on. How have you funded your devs? <laughs> That's a great question. How did I? Tell I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, you sweat equity. Those no, no, no. Those so guys. I've run out of available cash. Let's yeah, say, right. Okay. I had it. I pumped in what I had into yeah. this business up until this point, and I've got to MVP. Um, I think your ability, your 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 ability to gain users more rapidly through social media would make me want to take on that. Social media, online advertising, that sort of thing would make me want to take on that investment at at 30% for sure. Rather than one person, you want me to get my three devs on the phone? Think that's going to go well? Yeah. How hard is it? (laughs) Can I set up a meeting with my CEO, (laughs) J-Bone? Yeah, I'm I'm taking it to grow big now. Yeah, but you're not growing big. You just want early traction. I would back myself to grow big off the back of that. See, investment. I would tell you to get fucked. If you came to me <laughs> for $750,000 and you said yeah. to me 6% interest, there's no way, dude. Yeah. I mean, if you if this thing did take off, right? One, you're diluting too much of your share capital to do future raises, right? Because you now earn 70%, sure. 30%. You're not going to raise. So series, let's just say you then do seed, Mm. Seed, well, maybe no. Seed, this is a seven fifty, and then you got to do Series A. So then, where's and then Series B potentially, and then where, what? How much are you going to be holding at the end of it? I suppose you'd have the opportunity to win, yeah. but but again, it's all about the terms. It's all about the terms. what are the terms? Well, like you said, there's no six six percent implies I'm paying back. No, that's not happening, right? You're not getting thirty percent, and I must give you your seven fifty back plus six percent. Well, 
who is the who is this person? Like you know, like yeah. is it a is it a, is it a team? Am I getting a team for thirty percent? Because seven hundred fifty thousand from investor A is not the same as investor B or investor C. No money is made equal. So what else am I getting along with that? Also, are you a silent investor or are you coming to dictate the direction of the company? Well, in no other words, if I want with thirty percent share, okay. But let's just say, well, but if you're saying seven, but it could be a it could be a clause, right? In the term, term yeah. in the in, in the term sheet, right? Or the promissory note in this case. Mm. So is that is that loan of seven fifty plus six percent converting to equity at some point in the future? So you know, like, and if I want to spend a hundred thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, fifty thousand, do I need your approval to mm-hmm. spend your money? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so now yeah, you're working yeah. for someone else. Yeah. So I hate the idea of being stuck in someone else's pocket. Mm. But to your point, it is context is everything. You know, I would maybe I would take the money out of because there's no other move. Mm. But I wouldn't want. I like for me, I'm all about choice. Like if you can't give me the choice, or if I can't create the the option for something else, like I hate being in a corner or in mm. someone's pocket, like that's. Well, let's put it this way, right? I think that like it, I want to buy it back. So here's seven. Give okay, me the seven fifty. I want to buy it back. Yeah, at a later date. I want the option to yeah. exercise that, and it's a non-negotiable. So if yeah. I choose to buy back that money based on a new run rate of a million dollars a month, then, then mm. cheers. I want to buy out. I think also, like you say, context is everything. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to think if you got to that point. You've already tried the cold call stuff. I mean, I don't think you're going to only start trying it once you've run out of money and need to support three devs. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit late. So I think you might have tried that already. Listen, if you get, if you get sick and tired of eating beans, then it's probably time to raise money. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Good indicator. But there's no guarantee, right? Is it a personal surety thing? Mm. I must I pay you back if the whole thing goes south? I think, you know... To make it as simple as possible, if it was literally just that transactional, I'll take 30% with 750K clean. I still believe it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I don't think anyone's learned anything <laughs> from that discussion. Uh, but uh, but yeah, n- right? but no, no, but it's a, it's an important thing. I think you have to understand who you are. That's what it comes down to. Mm. That's the punchline. Like what type of entrepreneur are you? Are you patient? Or you're impatient. Mm. If you're impatient for the growth and the scale and this and that, then you know maybe maybe it's right for you. Mm. I but think it, you also you could drop your devs, right? Why? Well, if you have no money left, if oh, you can you no could, longer support, you could, you could. yeah, and you could then just you sell that decision, MVP. Yeah. Again, like, what type of leader are you? What type of business owner are you? Mm. Would you be? Are you prepared to sacrifice those devs um, to retain thirty percent of your business, or would you? Go ahead and take it so that you can support your staff. It's not the right motivation. Mm? No, I don't think so. But it's probably a motivator for many people. Uh, but we—I mean, we went through a cash flow crunch, crunch the other day. It's not about your people. It's about the vision. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's again, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't do things out of fear. If you make a decision out of fear. You're not going to make a good one nine times out of 10. It's out of necessity. And now you're just sitting with a different problem. So like, why aren't you making money? Mm. Why aren't you making money? So that SAS tech company for $200, you can't sell a $200 license. There's something fucking wrong. Sure. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. So you should pick up the phone and get 
10 customers, get one customer on the phone. Mm. Get one. Because if you can't get one customer, why would you raise $750,000? Yeah, good point. You haven't, good point. You, haven't, you haven't validated the business model. Yeah, yeah. So if someone's prepared to pay you anything, your business model is validated. Yeah. So if you then go to a customer, uh, to an investor and you say, listen, I want $750,000, they go, cool, how much money made? Has anybody bought anything? So like find my prospect, for instance, the number one job is to get someone to subscribe. Doesn't matter what the price point is, $29, blah, blah. users also not too bad, but mm -hmm. doesn't really matter in the context of investments. Yeah, it's paying, paying users, right? I want a paying user. Mm -hmm. Go and get me one. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can't get me one? Okay, well then why would I invest in you? Right. You don't have a valid business model. Yeah, yeah. Come back to me when you can. Yeah. I don't mind taking 30% and giving you $750,000 at 6%, mm -hmm. but prove to me that you can make money. Yeah. That makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I, you know, but this is the this is the this is the minefield of investment. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The other thing to say is that like so I'm busy exiting as you know and mm. you know I'll have money. So I wouldn't raise then. Yes. Cuz I could put $100,000 on the table and go yeah. pff, scale. Yeah, go. <laughs> go and do digital, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go make it rain, buddy. <laughs> go get me some uh, funding applications. Uh, nice. I'm going to be rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's some targets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Keep 100%. 100. Yep. So, I don't know. I'm a, I, I know you like your equity, man. I, I like to control things. Shut up, Jay <laughs> What are you trying to do here? You're trying to say you want some equity. <laughs> okay, well, then let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah. Let's say that when do you give equity away? To your team? It depends. <clears throat> um, I mean, there are a lot of there are probably moments in a business's life where that question is answered differently. At the beginning, it could be, I can't afford necessarily to pay you market-related or above salaries, so you get stock, right? You get equity um, and X salary, which might be 70% of market, right? That's Probably you typically see that in startups, yeah? Um, later on, it could be because of, you know, growth targets. It could be when we hit X as a business, employees get X from a pool of shares. I guess it all depends on you know, life, the life cycle and the stage of the business. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think <clears throat> there's probably two reasons when you want to, or three one is when you need a founding team and you need an incentive to get the right talent to be part of your founding team because without them, you wouldn't have the product or business do. at all. So mm -hmm. that's the first one. The second one is when you're raising money. And the third one is when you don't want to run it anymore. Mm -hmm. That for me is the biggest one because I can get a team. I'd rather bootstrap something, you know, through services and sell it myself mm -hmm. than give away equity to anybody up front on a pre-revenue business. Like that's just, you know, it's the, you know, it's, it, but again, you could do different types of, you know, it could be a share table, not equity. So in other words, you have the, the, there's a hundred percent equity, but the share table is basically a portion of that equity. That's then allocated based on the delivery of certain things. Yeah. So for instance, you did, you spend a hundred hours of dev time, you will get X. Matt, if you sell 200 dollars licenses in X period, you get Y, and then based on the performance or delivery of these outcomes to support the strategy of the business, you would then execute a certain distribution of shares. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to do it. Um, 
But the biggest one for me is is less even about investing because if you're in the tech space, like if you think about WeWork, we discussed earlier, and you know, forty seven billion dollars. Okay, f- cool, I get it. You know, what I mean, like you you have a product you, at product market fit now. Yeah. Now you raise money, not at MVP where you don't sure. really have any customers mm-hmm. and you don't really know what you're building yet. <clears throat> you think you know, but you really don't. So what happens is is that you need to get to product market fit where you have a thousand customers and now you want to scale. Then I'm gold. Yeah. Then do that because now I'm like I'm I, I have fit. I'm ready to go. Like I need money to go and scale massively fast. Yeah. And then I'm going to hand over to a new CEO and I'm out. Sure. So that point then I don't want to run it. So most uh, people when they raise money, I read about this in my book, is that. They, when they raise money, they don't really think through what it means. So if you are at product market fit and you raise, let's just say $50 million or $100 million, mm-hmm. you may not be the right person to run that business anymore. Sure. Because to get, uh, you know, for, to get a 10x return or 20 times return on $100,000 or $100 million, that's not me. Right. There's no way that's me. I know. I know that's not yeah. me. I'm not. That's way above my pay grade. I could maybe do it, but I probably don't. I actually don't care because at that point I'm out. Yeah. The business has built has reached where like I, I'm the guy who sees a gap in the market, commercializes the gap. I'm not the guy who wants a, you know, a, a 450 staff business, Jack Dorsey, you know, 45,000 yeah, yeah. staff. Like I'm not that guy. I don't want to deal with people. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I mean, Adam Newman of WeWork that we spoke about earlier, he came to that realization too. He also said, my style was no longer relevant to the business at that size. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. You have to know. And so you can get booted out. Mm. So like even the conversation I'm having with investors or certainly acquirers is like, I'm out. Yeah. Like I've built the, you must not come scale the building from the foundations that I built. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want this. I, like I've said to you before, like the, for me, the perfect, the when, you, how do you know when you've got too many people? For me, my litmus test is, can I have everybody around my house for lunch? Because <laughs> yeah. if I can't have them all around my house, it's too big. Right. You know, and with technology now, you don't need a big team to be, have a big business. Yeah. You can have a small team in a massive business. Yeah. You know, 100%. WhatsApp, nine engineers, fifth, like, 50 billion messages mm-hmm. a day or something stupid. It's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's the thing. But I think the, the punchline is here is that it's all about fig- knowing who you are and what is enough. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You're right. It, people are different. I mean, people raise to build. That's even a step before. That's a whole bunch of steps before the point that we're talking about now, right? You've got MVP. So, yeah, people are, people are different. Yeah, they are. But people don't think it through, and that's the point also. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to think things through. If I, Because every advantage has a disadvantage. I don't care what it is. Mm. If you raise money, there's an advantage, but there's a disadvantage. Something. I now have to pay them back. Right. If I don't raise money, there's an advantage, right? I get to hold on to my equity. The disadvantage is I can't scale fast mm. enough and I may die. Right. So everything needs to be thought through. Yeah. So if you are thinking about raising money, have a yarn about that one. Thanks, Jonathan. See, it's great to have you on the show. <laughs> cool. So let's do um, Soapbox and then we will wrap up. So I put this tweet out the other day 
on uh, Twitter. Let me see if I can bring it uh, up for you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, guys, it's at MattBrownZA. Um, and I put this tweet out the other day where I said the best entrepreneurs know that there is no finish line. And uh, you you mentioned running earlier, uh, Jonathan. And mm. uh, let me see if I can find it here. The best entrepreneurs know that there is no finish line. So let me bring it up on the screen for you guys. So there it is. Um, and for like you mentioned running. So basically, uh, people that actually don't know that I run um, or that I've started running. So I, I ran 2Ks, went down to Cape Town, ran 2Ks, I was hobbling around on my knees. Like a, I literally, I was like, God, I'm so weak and I hate weakness. Um, for me, like I don't, you know, in general, like I don't have time for people's weakness <laughs> and myself. So I have weird high standards around that. Uh-huh. So I'm hobbling around I'm like, fuck that. So then the next two days later, I ran like six Ks, two days after that, I ran 11, two days after that, I ran 15. And then like within literally two weeks, I ran a half marathon. And the process that I went through was I just started removing the finish line. So I didn't like what I was doing in the beginning. I was like, I'm just going to run two Ks. And then I ran two Ks mm. and I think, and then, then I, then I was like, no, I'm going to run six. And the only reason why I ran, ele- oh, oh, sorry, um, was the, was the full half marathon, 21 kilometers was I just removed the finish line. I went for a short run legit. It was a Wednesday afternoon. I was like, no, I'm going to go for a short run. And I just felt good. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep running. Mm. And I ran and I ran and I ran an hour, 43 minutes later, I ran a half marathon on a standard Wednesday afternoon. And it was just the mindset of removing the finish line. And I think what we do in many cases is we put these self-imposed limitations on ourselves. So we're like, no, we must, um, must make a million dollars this year or a million dollars this month. It's like, why? Why set that as your limit? Rather just remove it and say, I'm going to make, your mindset should be, I'm going to make as much money as possible. Because maybe you could make more than a million. Maybe you could, you know, take the necessary action that would get you to way above what you thought was possible. So we don't actually know what's possible. That's the point. So running is a simple example of that, but I think it can be applied in everything. Because if you say that I want to make a million dollars in a year, what action are you going to take? You're going to take an action towards a million dollars. What it takes, just enough to what it takes to get to a million dollars. Yeah, that's it. But you're not going to take more. Yeah. You're not going to be thinking Mm. different. You're not going to, your mindset's going to be a million dollars. It's not going to be 10 million. Right? So it's Mm. good to have pigs in the sand, but you shouldn't be married to those those pigs in the sand. Mm. It's good to set intentions for a million dollars, but there shouldn't be fixed goals. So your intention drives your behavior and what I've learned recently is that as an entrepreneur, you have to remove the finish line. There's no finish line. When you sell your business, are you done? No, you're not done. You've got earnout agreements, mm. right? You have to earn you know, one year, two year, three year earnout. You're not done. And even when you've done with your earnout, then what? Are you done? What are you done with? <laughs> are you done being yourself? Are you, you know what I'm saying? Like there can't be a finish right. line with this stuff. Right. You know, um, and I think. The mindset is what I'm really focusing on is the mindset of somebody who builds something and wins. Like if you build a business and you sell it, you're in the top 1% in the world period. It's hard to do. Mm. It's almost impossible to do for most people, 99% of people. So when you get to the 1%, are you done? And one of the things, and I'm answer is no, like, you know, 
people who um, have been on the show, like billionaires, and I say, like, do you see yourself as successful? Not one person I've ever interviewed has seen themselves as successful. Not one. Mm. There's no finish line for them. It's about the next thing. So you say you 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 never win. You just keep scoring points. You just keep adding. You just keep topping up that credit account. Yeah. With smart tokens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's the soapbox, guys. Hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, stop setting finish lines for yourselves and just be hungry. That's a, that's the other thing. It's like if you have a big meal, are you going to chow something else after that? No. So you have to stay hungry for whatever it is that lights you up. Doesn't matter whether you achieve the next thing. It has to. You have to be hungry for that next that next mm. thing. But above all else, you must appreciate the journey. It's one of my biggest failures to date as a human and as an entrepreneur is uh, I'm like chasing the horizon all the time. So like sell the business for whatever, a million dollars and then yep. it's not enough. Yep. And so that's not also not the right mindset to have, right? You have to know what is enough for you uh, and give yourself what you need so you will never want for anything. So. That's the soapbox out. Cool, Jay Byrne. Uh, any final comments? That's it. Cool. Great show. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This is uh, Matt Brown signing out, and we will do more of these uh, for you guys again soon. And if you would like more information, head on over to mattbrownshow.com or catch us wherever you catch your favorite podcasts. Out. Ciao. Hey there, guys. At smerocketfield.com, you can access new markets and your ideal customers within seconds from a globally compliant data engine built specifically to help your business grow faster than ever before. And the best part, it's free. Yes, that's right. It is free. Head on over to smerocketfield.com and sign up for free today so that you can start accelerating your business growth faster than ever before, wherever you are with smerocketfield.com. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.